Amen. All right. Uh, we're going to be back in the book of John tonight. John chapter 3. We're going to pick up where we left off a couple of weeks ago. And uh, <clears throat> not last Sunday, but the Sunday before, we looked at just an overview of the first uh, 21 verses as John is meeting with Nicodemus by night. Um, and Nicodemus is questioning him and really seeking uh, something from the Lord. So uh, we're going to be in John chapter 3 and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. But something to keep in mind uh, as we look at these next few passages is to remember that man was created as a triune being uh, with a body, a soul, and a spirit. He was created in the image image of God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, The body and soul are alive at our physical birth. Uh, It's this spirit that died when Adam sinned in the garden. And it's this dead spirit that he has passed on to us as descendants of Adam. Uh, This dead spirit is what is not allowed into heaven because of sin. And it's what will spend uh, eternity in hell uh, if we refuse to uh, the gift of salvation that Christ has given us. So... Keep that in mind as we go through these next few uh, verses and the next few lessons as this is what Jesus is trying to explain to Nicodemus. Um, This is... uh, It's a little easier for us to understand because we've read the book. We know uh, about the crucifixion. We know about the resurrection. We know the book of Revelation. We know how it all ends. So it's a little easier for us to picture it. But for Nicodemus, this is something completely new and something very hard to understand. Um, So... Keep that in mind as we go through this. But uh, in John chapter 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse number 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Uh, Let's pray, and then we'll get into the message tonight. Father God, we thank you. For this truth, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather around your word, to send our supplications to you, Lord, to, to seek your face, Lord, to, to seek your presence. God, I pray that tonight, uh, I know that tonight you are with us, because you've told us that where two or more are gathered together, there you are in the midst. Lord, each and every one of us as a believer, as a, a saved person, remember, owns the Holy Spirit. They've He's indwelled us. You've given him to us. So, Lord, please uh, set our flesh aside. Lord, help us to surrender that flesh tonight and to to surrender to the Holy Spirit. Let his uh, His voice speak to us as we study your word. Lord, help this truth to sink in. Lord, to not just enter our ears, but to enter our hearts, to take root and to grow. Lord, help it to fall on fertile ground so it will bring forth some hundredfold. And Lord, help it to mold us and shape us into the men and women that you'd have us to be. God, we love you. We thank you. We ask these things in the name of your precious and holy Son, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. All right. 
So, again, we've already looked at, at part of this as an overview. We know that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was, he was a man of, uh, a ruler of the Jews. He was a man of some stature. And he is seeking. He's worried because he knows that Jesus is a teacher. He knows that Jesus has come from God, but he's not willing to step out and admit it openly. He's still very cautious and he's he's afraid of his counterparts. He's afraid of the other Pharisees. He's afraid of the Sadducees. So he's meeting Jesus by night. And, and again, in verse number two, he says, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher, that you're come from God, because no man can do these miracles that thou do except God be with him. That's a lot for a man to know, but not know. But Jesus, understanding... Uh, all things being omniscient knows that Nicodemus has a sin problem. He has a heart problem. And he gets straight to the matter. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, uh, we understand, uh, those of us that are saved that have, have come through here, we understand that at some point we had to look at ourselves and we had to see that we were sinners. And some of this material that we're going to go through tonight is going to sound familiar as we've gone through it uh, in discipleship lessons. And we're going to look at some of the same things because this is where they come from. And it's important that we grab a hold of this. And it's not just for us. It's for those that are going to listen and uh, those that are going to hear on our other opportunities. But it's important that we are reminded of this so that we can turn around and again uh, be that light of the world. So that we can, as Jesus asked in John chapter 17 as he's praying for us as we, so that we can be one with him and we can be able to proclaim him to the world. So I'm going to ask the first thing is where do you come from? In verse number uh, 5, Jesus says, Verily verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Are you flesh tonight or are you spirit? There are only two families. There's God's family and there's the devil's family. In John 8, 44, uh, we see where we are. John 8, 44. Now this is Jesus speaking to the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but uh, it's here for all of us. It's for all of us to understand that in John 8, 44, Jesus says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Verse 45. You see, we are born into the family of the devil. In John 1, 12, though... Uh, we have another option. John 1.12 says, But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. We were born into the devil's family. We were born into his physical family in Genesis 5.3. Adam and Eve have sinned in the garden. Uh, They've been removed from the garden. And now they are having children. They've already had Cain and Abel. Uh, and Cain rose up and slew Abel. But in Genesis 5, 
Apparently my, I've written too much on my pages. There they are. Genesis 5 and verse number 3 says, And Adam lived in 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Now, this isn't no longer speaking of Cain and Abel. Of course, Abel's dead and Cain has been rejected by God and, and been sent away. But here it's saying Adam lived in 130 years and he begat a son. But that son is now in his own image, in his own likeness. It's no longer in the image of God. Now, because Adam was created in the image of God, we still have the image of God. We are still that triune being. We still, again, have that body, that soul, and that spirit. But now, because of the sin and the, the death that was caused by that sin, that spirit is dead. And, and Seth is going to die. And you're going to see... As you, if you go through the list in Genesis, if you go through every genealogy, it's going to say, and he died. There are very few men, Enos uh, being one, <coughs> Enoch being one that, that lived and then was taken and did not see death. Uh, Elijah was one that was taken without seeing death. Moses, uh, Moses died, but he was not, we have no idea where he was buried, but there were, there are a few that were taken without seeing death, but Every other man in history has died and ended up either in hell, in hell or in up until Christ was crucified in paradise and now in heaven. So uh, we are born in the likeness of Adam, which is a fallen man. Romans 5.12 uh, in the New Testament gives us a little more information about that. Romans 5 and verse 12 says, Whereby as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Being born into this family is a one-way ticket to an eternal separation from God. That's why um, our tracks, that's why I picked these. Uh, because this is a ticket. And there's a little bit of history about the town of Maxwell the reason that Maxwell is where it is, the reason that it's here today, is because this is where the train, the railroad decided to come through. Um, Iowa Center was established, I believe the building that is the old city hall says it was established in 1860, 62, 64, something like that. Maxwell was established in 1886. Uh, the oldest building in town is the grocery store that's across the street from the building that we're looking at having the church in. If you notice, the address on it is 1881. It's actually 81 Main Street, but it's they have allowed the address to be 1881 because in 1881, they jacked that building up as it was sitting in Iowa Center, put it on logs, and pulled it the three miles south to where it sits now by Mule Team because... The railroad decided it wanted to come through just south of town. It's a perfect, a perfect picture. Because we are born with an eternal destination of hell. Without fail. 1 Corinthians 15.22 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, not 14.22, 15.22, says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 
Oh, but there's there's an option. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There we see that option again. Revelation 20, verse 14. Now, remember in John 8, 44, it says, You are of your father the devil. He was a murderer and a liar. So, Revelation 20, 14. Uh, let's start in verse number 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. If we don't make a decision, we're on our way to hell. And Jesus knew this. Jesus knows everything. He knows that uh, he's even already foretold that he is going to go to the cross and he's going to die and pay for the sins of the world. And he knew that Nicodemus was born physically into the family of the devil because everyone is. And even Nicodemus with all of his uh, ritualistic keeping of the law and everything that he did to make himself righteous, he still lacked the one thing. He lacked faith in God. You see, whether it was the Old Testament saints or the New Testament saints, whether it was Moses or, or Nicodemus, it still required faith in God. Abraham was justified by his faith because he took God at his word that he would spare his son Isaac. Hebrews 11.6 Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You know, the thing that pleases God the most is for us to get saved. That's the primary thing. It can't be done without faith. Ephesians 2.8 Of course, Ephesians 2.8 and 9 are uh, some verses that we should all remember that we should all have memorized but <coughs> Ephesians 2 8 says for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast so we see that this doesn't have to be a death sentence Revelation 20 verse 6 uh, says we have an option I mean we just read in Revelation 20 uh, 13 and 14 and 15 uh, that death and hell were going to be cast into the lake of fire. But in Revelation 20 and verse 6, we see, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. You see, in John 1.12 it says, that we have the power to become the sons of God. But as many as receive Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. And this is the point that Christ is trying to get across. In order to be a part of the, of the family of God, you have to first be born again. 
John 3, 7 says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. I mean, this is the third time. Uh, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse number three. In verse number five. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse number seven. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Three times he talks about a new birth in the space of four verses. I feel like God's trying to tell us something. He's trying to tell us that we must be born again. Oh, what just happened? There it goes. My iPad's been kind of crazy today. But of course, Nicodemus doesn't understand this because he's only thinking physically. He's only thinking fleshly. His first question is, is must I enter again into my mother's womb? That's going to be kind of hard. But now Christ is going to attempt to reveal to him the spiritual truth. He's going to attempt to teach Nicodemus this fact about us being a triune being. Nicodemus doesn't understand this. They haven't had the science to prove this. Now, he has the entire Old Testament. He has the book of Genesis. He has all of the writings of Moses. He should intellectually understand this from God's word. And he should, by faith, believe it from God's word. Because Moses and all the prophets spake of Jesus. They prophesied of Jesus and exactly what was going to happen. But physically, fleshly, he's looking at something different. What is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit, is what verse number uh, 6 says. So... In order for us to be born again, our spirit must be born again. And that's where uh, the road to salvation comes into effect. That's where we must understand that we are sinners, as Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We must first understand our own situation. We must understand that, and this is a horrible movie reference, and I don't know if any of you will actually understand it, but do any of you remember the movie Speed with Keanu Reeves where he was on the bus and if the bus went below 55 miles an hour it blew up and they spent the whole movie trying to get the people off the bus without the guy blowing the bus up those people were all doomed there was nothing that any of them could do to get themselves off that bus they were stuck we were born on that train that's on its way to hell as a matter of fact, the only way, and again, this is a horrible, horrible analogy, but the only way, this movie is just stuck in my head now, the only way that they could get the people off the bus is they had to loop the camera feed so the guy that was, uh, and all the news feeds so that the guy that was watching couldn't, couldn't see what they were doing. And then they had to bring another bus along the side and they had to build a bridge between the two buses and they had to physically take the people off of one bus onto the other bus so that they could be saved. And then, of course, you know, Keanu and Sandra Bullock are left on the bus, and they have to do all this crazy stuff and almost blow up and die and blah, blah, blah. But they had to physically be removed off of that bus. We have to be removed off of that train. Exodus 20, uh, verses 3 through 17, give us the Ten Commandments. And this is where... For most of us, this should be old hat. This should be something that we've already understood. But uh, something that my pastor in Missouri taught me was uh, people are self-righteous. And we know that. People believe that they're better than they are. That's why, uh, you know, another good pastor friend of mine says, 
don't worry, you're twice as bad as you think you are. Um, you know, my dad used to say, if you were half the man you thought you were, you'd be twice the man you are. And I'll explain that later if you really have to, if you really need to. But anyway, Exodus 20 verses 3 through 17 give us the basics. They give us the 10 vital commandments from God, starting with commandment number one, thou shalt have no other God before me. And then going on down the line. You know, commandment number nine, uh, thou shalt not bear false witness. We call it the lying nine. Uh, commandment number ten, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife or, or uh, his goods or anything else. Um, commandment number eight, thou shalt not steal. Um, I'm trying to, there's one of these, I'll have to remember it all, but you can draw the numbers and they tell you how everything goes. Uh, what the commandments are. It's a good way to memorize it, and I've forgotten it all. <laughs> but let me ask you this. Have you ever told a lie? Yeah. You know, my pastor in Missouri would, would give himself the benefit of the doubt uh, and say that he hadn't lied until he was in his 20s, uh, which is when he got saved, and he's in his 60s now. So, uh, But he figures after he got saved, he still told about three lies a day. So three lies a day for 365 days for 40 years is... A lot of lies because we still even those those of us that are saved we still fib we still tell a lie have you ever killed anybody you're looking at me for <laughs> you wanted to but Jesus marriage will do that to you I understand <laughs> but Jesus in the gospel said if you've hated your brother You've committed murder in your heart. He said, if you've, if you've hated somebody, you've committed murder in your heart. Whether you've physically killed them or not. Uh, you know, um, on and on. And, the, and then the book of James tells us that if you've committed one, then you're guilty of all. So, you know, you're at least ten times worse than you think you are. Because most people will admit that they've told a lie, but really just because they've told a lie, they've committed every... They've broken every commandment. The first being, thou shalt have no other gods. Well, if you're doing all of these things, you're doing them because they please yourself, which means you're putting yourself as a god over God. You're making yourself an idol. But it doesn't have to be. Revelation 21.8 I think this is the verse that says liars shall be friars you know that liar liar pants on fire <laughs> revelation 21 8 but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and liars and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death see liars will be friars In Romans 6.23a, the first part of Romans 6.23, we go back to it, it says, you know, the wages of sin is death. Now, most of us work. Abby is uh, just finally getting to possibly having a job. She did a couple of days of training at the, the daycare, and they decided they were going to pay her for those couple of days. So she got a wage for what she did. For the time that she spent there, they paid her. Now, um, I think they paid her too much, but whatever. Um, no, 
Uh, I'm sure they paid her what they thought was fair, and, and that's fine. But for everything that we do, we have a wage. We have a payment, good or bad. Um, and Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. Because we are sinners, because we have broken God's law, uh, we are going to take part in that second death, and we're going to spend an eternity in hell. But we also have to understand, not only that we are sinners, but we have to understand that God has given us a way to pay for that sin. He has given us the opportunity to get off of that train that's bound for hell, and that is His Son. Romans 6.23, the second part of it says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John 3.16, we're going to get to it in a couple of weeks, says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave us a gift. When, I, when I'm talking to the kids, uh, and it works for everybody, because everybody likes to get gifts, but I tell them, you know, on your birthday, on Christmas, uh, you, you know, especially Christmas, you run downstairs and you look under the tree and you see all those presents that have your name on it. Now, if it's my kids, there might be one. But, uh, you know, most people, they, they see all these presents with their name on them. They're gifts for them. They belong to them. But Malachi, if I were to give you a gift right now, would it actually be yours? If it was still wrapped up with your name on it in the nice pretty paper, would it actually be yours? No. no. What would you have to do it to it? with it to make it actually yours you have to unwrap it you'd have to open it you'd have to use it or at least not throw it away <laughs> we understand that in order to obtain that gift we have to do something now it's not salvation is by grace through faith it's not a work to have faith in what Christ has done but it has to be a conscious decision to place our faith and trust in Christ Romans 10, 9, and 10. I'm going to turn there because these ones I don't actually have memorized. But Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, that if, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's a conscious decision, there's a conscious action that has to be taken. We have to call, we have to place our faith and trust in Christ, in Christ alone. I think I might have talked about this before, but uh, my pastor in Missouri loved to make the analogy of, of a parachute. And um, usually I'll have many times just taken a, a, a board and laid it out and you know I'll stand on it when it's laying on the floor and ask, am I putting my faith in the board? Well, no, because the board's on the floor. And then I put it up on something and I stand on the board and then I'm finally putting my faith on the board. Now usually I have a very weak board that breaks when I step on it because, you know, if you put your faith in the wrong things, like you put your faith in self, you're going to be destroyed. <coughs> but then I bring out the big board. And when you put your faith and trust all of your weight, everything you have on that, it holds fast. And the parachute's the same way. You know, imagine yourself in a, in a plane and the plane's going down. And now, as Bill Cosby would say, there's a couple of things I'd want to try right before the plane hits the ground, like jump, just to see. You know, I mean, I'm going down, I'm going to die, so I'm going to, I'm going to try everything I can or jump out and flap my arms. Who knows? Maybe I might fly away. 
But imagine yourself, you're in a plane, and the plane is going down, and there's, there's no way it's going to be saved. As a matter of fact, the pilot comes out of the cockpit with his parachute on, he throws you one, and he jumps out of the plane. Now, in your head, you can know that that parachute can save your life. You can actually even put it on and believe that it'll save your life. But until you jump out of the plane and pull the cord, you've not placed your faith in that parachute. You've not put everything you have in what that parachute, what the knowledge says that parachute can do. It's stuck here. It's not traveled here. The rest of our Christian walk is no different. And, and this is kind of a rabbit trail, but uh, our faith doesn't stop at salvation. Our faith has to continue in obedience to the Word of God. It has to continue with baptism. It has to continue with our growth and our our sanctification as we walk with God. When God promises these promises all these things, they all require a faith response from us. They all require us to consciously make a decision to accept what's been said, to accept what's been promised, and put our weight in it. The Bible tells us uh, that if we are His and we pray anything uh, in the name of we pray anything in his name that God will give it to us. We have to believe that. Uh, Rachel went to a, a conference um, for Young Living, the essential oil stuff, and she has a necklace and it's a little mustard seed. And it goes back to that verse that says, faith of a grain of mustard seed can move mountains. And of course I'm paraphrasing that. But... Do you believe that we can still do that today? Do you believe that we can still move mountains today? There, there, there's a, a pastor down in... Um, was he in Uganda or was he in Brazil? Anyway, in a foreign country, in a third world country. And he's got a, he's got a camp up on the mountain. And he was praying and praying and praying that God would give him a place to build a soccer field. I think it's Brazil. Mm-hmm. So that his campers could play soccer. Well, he started praying that God would move the mountain and fill in the valley. Well, somebody decided to donate some earth moving equipment. A backhoe or a track hoe and a bulldozer. And he took that track hoe and that bulldozer and he tore the mountain down and filled in the valley and built his soccer field. But he had faith to continue to pray and believe that God was going to do it. Now, God didn't just, there you go. God gave him the tools to do the work. Our life is no different. God has given us every tool we will ever need to do his work. We just have to put our faith in it. It's all right here. Every bit of it. We just have to get behind it. Now, hopefully that rabbit trail is... I've caught that rabbit. But in order to do any of this, we must first be born into God's family. But once we are born into God's family, oh, what a joy it is. John 3, 3 says, Again, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But John 1, 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. 
even to them that believe on His name. So now we're saved. Now we've, we've placed our faith and trust in Christ and we are saved. And this, this picture hit home for me a few years ago as I truly understood what my dad had done for me. My dad, uh, I think you all know, um, the man I call my dad is not my biological father. Uh, my biological father left when I was a year and a half, two years old after a big fight with my mom. He left and then um, when I was three years old, my mom got remarried and my biological father gave up all of his rights to me. He basically said, I don't want anything to do with you. I have no legal right to you anymore. You're not mine. Now, legally, according to the government, I'm not his. Matter of fact, they went and they changed my birth certificate and his name is not on my birth certificate anymore. But physically, you can't deny that I'm his. We look almost identical. He's a little bit more gray than I am, but you cannot deny that I'm his. I'm getting there, I know. But when I was three, my dad, the man I call my dad, the man that, that raised me, adopted me. And he gave me his family. God's done the same thing for us. And no matter what, I'm always going to be my dad's son now. I, I'm always going to be a Veers. It's one of the hurdles that I, well, it's not necessarily a hurdle here. Uh, my mother's side of the family is a little bit more of a hurdle, but my dad's side of the family is a blessing. But uh, everywhere I go, it's, oh, you're Eric's boy. That's how they know me. They know me because I'm my dad's son. But we are now part of God family, God's family, which gives us the benefits of being his family. Romans 8, 17. I'm going to go back to 16. Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Verse number 17, And if children, then heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so that we... That we suffer with him that we may also be glorified or that we may be also glorified together we are joint heirs with Christ he is our brother not only is he our lord and savior he is our brother he lives in us he loves us he cares for us and the key to all this is faith there has to be a time in your life when you have fully trusted in Christ and what Christ did for you on the cross. Hebrews 11.1 1. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, is the definition of faith. It says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And this ties in with what Jesus is going to say here in a little bit that we'll look at in a couple of weeks. But um, it's not something that we can see. It's not something that we, we need to see. It's all of faith. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And 
these last three verses here are uh, kind of a, a glimpse of what we're going to look at next week. We're going to, something I don't like to do, we're going to focus just on verse number six next week because there is so much in verse number six, just in that, that flesh is flesh and spirit is spirit. But Matthew twenty two twenty one. 21. They all say, all three of these verses say basically the same thing, but uh, Matthew twenty two twenty one, and we'll go a little bit before uh, verse number 21 to get the context. So, Verse number 17 is where we'll start. Well, we'll start in verse number 15. It says, Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians. Now, the Herodians were Jews that chose to serve Herod, like Matthew himself. Matthew was a, a Jew that served uh, Rome as, a, as a, a publican, as a tax collector. And they were hated. But they sent unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou sayest, or sorry, we know that thou art true, and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? And they say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things which are God's. When they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Now, we know that what's born of the Spirit is spirit, and what's born of the flesh is flesh. So going back to my first question, where do you come from? Which family are you in today? Are you in the fleshly, earthly family? Or are you in God's family? If you're in God's family, then render unto God the things that are God's. He bought you. He paid for you. My pastor in Missouri would say, if you own the gospel, you owe the gospel. You owe it to our Lord and Savior. I owe it to my Lord and Savior to serve Him, to love Him, to obey Him. So just do it. That's where we're going to stop for tonight. Again, next week we're going to take a look and dig in more into verse number 6 and see some other amazing truth in all of this. But uh, thank you for being here tonight. We're going to pray.